But we've been talking about in the blessed life that it's all about the heart. We started with that message. And so I just want to start with that when we talk about today because the title of the message is, Am I Generous? And I put this in the first person because if someone didn't get to be here this weekend, they said to you, what was the message on? I didn't want to put it in the title in the second verses. I, I didn't want you to say, he preached on, are you generous? <laughs> because I want each of us to ask ourselves this question, am I generous? But I want to make a statement about giving, and I love to make statements that are shocking. I think you've noticed that. But one of the ways that I make them shocking is I use grammar to do it, which you might not know that, but I, um, you, may know, you know that I do it, but you might not recognize it. But in other words, I'm going to say a, 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 the first part of a statement, but I'm going to put a semicolon. And if I put a period, it wouldn't be the whole truth. But when I put the second part of the statement, then it'll make sense. You, you understand what I'm saying? And here's the reason I want to say this. Remember we started talking about giving is all about the heart. Okay, God is trying to do a heart change in you. He's not after your money. But he is after your heart. And wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what Jesus said. So it's like with our children when we're trying to teach them about sharing, if, if you said to your child when he had a friend over, listen, you need to share, and the child went <sighs> and went over and just threw the toy down at the other child and hit him in the head with it, you know, you don't want to reward that. That's the action of sharing, but it's not the attitude of sharing. You understand what I'm saying? So, so God wants to reward the attitude of giving more than the action of giving. In other words, we've talked about that if you're giving to get, that's the wrong heart. So, so I'm going to say a statement, but watch that it has a semicolon, because then I'm going to make it the whole truth when I add the second part of the statement, right? Here's the first part. God doesn't bless giving. Semicolon, God doesn't bless giving, he blesses giving with the right heart. So you need to know that. Now, I do want to say this, though, that if you say, well, what if I don't actually feel like doing it right now, but I see it in Scripture and I know I should do it, here's the great thing, according to the verse I just quoted, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So even if your heart's not there yet, giving is one of those actions you can do, and then your heart will follow, all right? So the title of the message is, Am I Generous? And what we're going to do is look at a famous passage, I think it's famous, from John 12, and it shows two hearts. It shows a selfish heart and a generous heart, and it's where Mary anoints Jesus and Judas gets mad about it, all right? So John chapter 12, verse 1, says then six days before the Passover. In other words, this is six days before Jesus was crucified. Jesus came to Bethany, 
where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, just to give you a little note, John 12, this is John 12, John 11 is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but it was two months before. So, so it's been two months, all right? There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus, brother and two sisters. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet, the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, I'll explain that to you in a moment, and given to the poor? Watch verse 6. I actually had to underline the whole verse. It was so important. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box or the offering box and used to take what was put in it. That's pretty strong. So we have two hearts displayed here, a generous heart and a selfish heart. Um, just so you can remember, generous and selfish, God begins with a G and generosity begins with a G. Selfishness begins with an S And Satan begins with an S. And when we were born, now I don't have the time to go into this theologically. You can see it for yourself in John chapter 10, just part of it, but there are other references. But in essence, we were children of the devil. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. But I have sheep that are mine. Okay, so, and when we get saved, we become children of God. So see, we're born with a selfish father, but we're born again with a generous father. So we want to be generous. We really do. We want to. So let me just show you some things about generosity. Here's number one, the enemy of generosity. Well, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. It's just as simple as it can be. I, uh, we had a pastor's conference here one time and it was when the church was really small, and I, so we had this pastor and his wife, they were from a small church, they couldn't afford a hotel, so Debbie and I, they were friends of ours, and Debbie and I said, well, why don't you just stay with us during the conference? So they were in our home, and we were driving to our home, and we passed this great big home, like on multiple acres, and you know, very, very large square footage home. And this pastor said to me, he ought to sell that and give it to the poor. And I don't normally unload on people. <laughs> there may be some that would disagree with that, but I don't think I do, but I try not to. Uh, but I decided to kind of, I just, it just got, it just hit me the wrong way. And I, ju I just said to him, you don't care about the poor. Remember the statement, this he said, not because he cared for the poor. I said, you don't care about the poor. And he said, what? And I said, you don't care about the poor or you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. 
And I said, I know that guy. He's actually a member of our church. <laughs> and he probably gives a larger percentage of his income than you do. And by the way, that statement, he ought to sell and give it to the poor. The first person who said that was Judas who betrayed our Lord. And this friend, of, this is a friend of mine, and he said to me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this he said, not that he cared. Okay, let me tell you what extravagance is. It's someone who has a bigger house than you. Now that house is extravagant. That neighborhood there, that's extravagant. Until you get a raise and can buy a house in that neighborhood. And then that's not an extravagant neighborhood anymore, but now that one is over there. Let me tell you what this is. This is selfishness masquerading and you're pointing out the perceived extravagance of other people so you don't have to look at your own heart. And so we've, that's what Judas is doing here. He's pointing out his perceived extravagance of Mary so he doesn't have to look at his own heart. Now, it says that he had the money box or the offering box, and he used to take what was put in it. Now, most of us give online, uh, but even when we started the church, we just had offering boxes. So we have offering boxes, you know, by the doors if you want to, you know, if that's the way you want to give, you know. So I just want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Is there anyone here or at any of our campuses or any of our gatherings well, I don't want to even say, is there anyone? Because I know there's not. Let me just make the statement. There's no one here that would take money out of the offering box. And especially out of the offering box, because that belongs to God. So wouldn't you agree there's no one that would take money that belongs to God? There's no one here that would keep money Now I got you. Some of Because the first 10% belongs to God. And we saw it in the Bible where he literally used the words, it is mine. And then he said later, it belongs to me. It is set apart, consecrated, holy to the Lord. Those are the words he used on the tithe. So what's the difference in keeping money that belongs to God or taking it out of the offering box that belongs to God? In, uh, when I was in college, <laughs> uh, I do know a guy that actually, you know, when the plate came by, um, made change. <laughs> I remember he's like this, shuffling through it like this, and he had a five in his hand, and, he's, and, I, and he says to the usher, wait a minute, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, well, my tithe this week was $5. And I put, I only had a 20, so I'm making change. Well, at least he was tithing. Okay, so I have a question. Since Judas was the thief, and he would take money out of the offering box, who gave him the offering box in the first place to keep. Yeah, Jesus. Who's the head of this group right here? 
And some would say, well, Jesus didn't know he was a thief. Well, let me show you a statement that Jesus, Jesus made. First of all, obviously, Jesus knows everything. But a statement Jesus made one year, one year before this happened. In John 6, verse 70, Jesus answered, Did I not choose you the twelve, and one of you is a devil? And just in case you say, well, I don't know if that's speaking of Jesus or not, here's the next verse. He spoke of Judas Iscariot. The son of Simon, in case you didn't know, for it was he who would betray him being one of the 12. So you say, well, well, why would he give him then the offering box if he knew he was a thief? You want to know why? Because there is no temptation overtaking you, but such is common to man, and God will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And God tempts no man. He wasn't giving him the offering box to fail. He was giving him the offering box to overcome this area of selfishness. See, God will sometimes bless you even when you don't deserve to be blessed or even if you're not at the place of tithing, even if you're rebelling in your finances, to try to get you to see, hey, God loves me. I probably should do things God's way. We talked last week about the, the, the spirit of mammon. And um, I just want to just say a little about just a couple more things about the spirit of mammon. Um, if, it's, if it's not a spirit, how come it can talk? Because when you leave today, Start to put a large check in one of those offering boxes, and you'll start hearing voices. <laughs> Guarantee you, he can talk. And by the way, uh, the spirit of mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist. And I can prove it with one simple verse that all of you know this verse. The spirit of Antichrist doesn't rule through the threat of nuclear war like some end-time preachers preach, the spirit of Antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy and sell. That's the spirit of mammon. Remember I said you'll start hearing voices? If you start trying to give to the church, Satan will start you know, telling you, hey, the economy might fall, and we don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, and da-da-da, and we don't know about the stock market, and, and the experts are saying, and like, okay, let me tell you, by the way, what we've been talking about the last five weeks is what the expert is saying, okay? Not the, ex- the experts, but the expert, okay? But not only will you start hearing the enemy talking to you, you start giving, you'll start hearing the Holy Spirit talking to you more than you've ever heard the Holy Spirit talk to you. So, um, a few years ago, I was preaching the blessed life, and um, this happened to me while I'm in the series, Right before I was going to preach, am I generous? Right after I'd preached, breaking the spirit of Bannon. Um, I got up early on a Sunday morning, and I thought about some things I needed at Walmart and thought it's probably not busy, and I've got, you know, a while before the service. It's a 24-hour Walmart, so I'm going to go. And I went down there, and this is right before I preached this message a few years ago, like back in 08 or 11 or something, and um, I'm standing there, and there's a guy in front of me, and he's got his stuff on the counter, and he's got his little bar there, and I've got my stuff, you know, behind his, and he picks up these Tic Tacs. They're like 97 cents, you know, at Walmart. 
and he just, and he's wrestling over this. And then he put it down, and then he took another bar and put it between his stuff and my stuff where the Tic Tacs would be all by themselves, you know. And then he turned, he just happened to kind of like this, and he turned around, and he saw me, and he started crying. I didn't know I had that effect on people. (laughs) I mean, he just started crying. And he said, I can't believe you're standing right behind me. He said, I pastor a real small church in Trophy Club, and I've been listening every week on the internet to your series, and last week you talked about the spirit of mammon. And if we're not faithful in little things, then God won't give us much. And he said, this stuff here that I'm buying is actually some supplies we need for the church today. But I thought to myself, I think I want some Tic Tacs. And I was thinking, you know, I am going to minister to people at the altar, so this could be like a church expense. (laughs) But it's kind of a personal expense and... So what do I do? And he said, I thought to myself, what would Robert Morris do? (laughs) And he said, I thought Robert Morris would pay for this himself. And so I did it and then I turned around and saw you. (laughs) And I told him, I said, you know who else though was watching? God was watching. So the enemy of generosity is selfishness. And it talks to us all the time. Here's number two, the extravagance of generosity. So we saw Judas's heart. Now we're looking at Mary's heart. This gift was 300 denarii. I've been asked a lot, a lot of times by Bible college students, how much is a denarii? Well, in 10 AD, 20 AD, uh, 20 BC, when do you mean? See, let me tell you what a denarii is. A denari- it's the plural of denarius. A denarius is a day's wage. So it changed. It'd be like the minimum wage. It might be so much in this year, in 1970. It might be so much in 1990. It might be so much in 2020. It changes, okay? So it's a day's wage. So 300 denarii is a year's wage. With, with the Jewish holidays and Sabbaths, you worked about 300 days a year. So all, he was simply saying, this could have been sold for one year's wage and given to the poor. That's, that's all that statement means. But let me just ask you this. We're talking about, is this an extravagant gift or not? Well, would a year's salary to you be an extravagant gift? Would it be an extravagant gift to pour on someone's feet? Because that that's what she did. By the way, this is the only anointing that Jesus' body had for burial. Because when they took him off the cross, the sun was going down. They had to put him in the tomb. And then when they came on Sunday morning, it says they brought 100 pounds of spices to embalm the body. And when they got there, there were two angels. They said, who are you looking for? He said, Jesus. They, he said, uh, he's checked out. <laughs> And Jesus actually says, she did this for my burial. And we'll look at that verse in a moment. Um, There are three levels of giving in the Bible. All right, tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. Tithing, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And this is clear all through Scripture, okay? 
Lots of examples of extravagant offerings. David gave, according to most uh, theologians, it would in today's economy, it'd be about $21 billion to build the temple. That's extravagant. But you know one of the most extravagant offerings in the Bible most people overlook? The widow's two mites. Jesus is actually the one that said she gave more than all the rich people here. See, again, he's looking at the attitude. I remember when I saw this, I, I, this about three levels of giving. I'm talking about this was like 25, 30 years ago before I ever even started Gateway. I called Steve Doolin, who's a friend of mine and one of our founding elders. I called him and I said, hey, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? He said, yep. And I said, you did not. Because see, when a preacher sees something, he thinks he's the only one that's ever seen that. And so I said, okay, smart aleck, tell me, what are the three levels? He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> now, let me tell you about Steve. He's sitting right down here, where right there, there's Steve. So Steve and Melody, founding elders of Gateway Church. That's how long they've been here. They were in the first home our, our home, and, and he was one of the founding elders. Okay, so, but let me tell you something that happened. You, many of you know Steve was in business. He leads our business leaders ministry now. For 15 years ago, for 15 years in his business, he gave 50% of his income. That's a lot. And then one time, he, he had heard my testimony about giving it all. And he kind of had somewhere in the back of his mind that one day the Lord might ask him to do that. And by the way, we have one more message in the series, and I'm going to share the testimony about how God spoke to Debbie and me to give everything. So, and it's a real funny message, so it's one more in this series. So anyway, he said that he had paid all his bills, and he got to the end of his, his, his checkbook there, and he looked at the, um, the uh, balance in his checkbook, and he thought to him, he just thought, God, you're so good. You've been so good to me. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in savings. And so he went over and he looked at that, and then he added the two together. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in my investment account. And he went and looked at that, and he added the three. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in retirement. And he went and looked at that, and he added all four of them up, and it was a, a very large number because he gave millions of dollars to the kingdom of God. Um, so he had and sold his company when he was 15, and, um, 50, 15, <laughs> when he was 50, uh, and retired. And when he came to work at the church, you know, he said, I'm not, I said, lead our business leaders ministry. And he said, no. I said, yeah, I'll lead it. But he said, but you're not going to pay me. I said, yeah, I'm going to pay you. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yeah, I am. He said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. And I'm the boss here, see? So, and so um, he said, why, why is it? I said, Steve, you can give it back to the church. He said, why is it so important, you know, that, you know, for you to pay me? I said, because I want to be your boss. That's why. And so, <laughs> So anyway, he added this amount up, and, and business people are normally good with numbers, so he had the number in his mind. I mean, all the way dollars and cents, you know. So he goes to sleep, he wakes up the next morning, he's in his quiet time, and the Lord says to him, how much money do you have? He said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added that up. I knew I shouldn't have added that up. So he said to the Lord, well, Lord, well, what do you mean? I mean, do you, do you mean how much do I have in my wallet? How much do I have in savings? I mean, what do you mean, Lord? How much do I have? And it's kind of a broad, you know, question. What do you mean? And the Lord said, you know what I mean. How much money do you have? And he said, well, Lord, I, 
I have this much. And he said, the Lord said, would you give it to me? Now remember, this is God's already given 50% of his income. And what he had was after 15 years. And he said, the first thought that came in my mind was fear. But the second thought was joy. Because he said, I thought to myself, Lord, you probably don't ask many people to do this. Thank you for asking me to do this. So he and Melody gave everything away. The next calendar business year, so it was about an 18-month period from when he'd given everything away. The next cal- at the end of the next calendar business year, he was having his quiet time. The Lord said to him, hey, go add up your accounts. He said, it's okay. I believe you, Lord. I believe you. <laughs> the Lord said, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Again. But I just want you to go look. Every account in 18 months had twice as much in it as it did before. Every account. And it, it had never happened before, and it's never happened since. And the Lord said to him, what took you 15 years together, I did in one calendar year, one business year. And he said, I could have done it in one day. So there's an extravagance to give. And here's the third thing is the reward of generosity, the reward of generosity. So look at this. I told you there was how it talked about it would be a memorial. Mark chapter 14, verse 9, assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Okay, I want to explain something to you about blessed and reward. Yes, God will bless you, but you need to know God will reward you, and there's a difference. Do you know what he told Abraham in Genesis 15? He said, my reward to you is myself. I'm going to reward you with me. Here's what he said. I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your reward. See, so many pastors preach on giving, and yes, sometimes it's a bonus. Yes, sometimes it's a raise. Yes, it's sometimes that God may bless us with something financially, but sometimes it might be a child that's away from God. What would that be worth? Sometimes it's a marriage that's broken that looks like it's beyond repair. Sometimes it's a situation from our past that we think we'll never be able to get over this. See, the God rewards generous givers. And let me show you the scripture on this. Let me, let me uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please them for he who comes to God must believe that he is and, this is what you also must believe, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You just need to know, it doesn't say that he rewards, it's that he is a rewarder. Okay, let me, let me use a, a, a double negative. Now, I'm, I'm, I know some of you are thinking, I don't know what that is. Okay, but it's a grammarian term, okay? Here's the point. God cannot not reward you. He cannot not reward you. In other words, he's going to reward you. Why? Because the Bible says he is a rewarder. 
It's like God can't lie. The Bible actually says God cannot lie. The reason he cannot lie is because he is truth. He is truth. He cannot be unfaithful, the Bible tells us. The reason he cannot be unfaithful is because he is faithful. He is a rewarder. He's going to reward you. I feel like saying to you, if you'll be a generous giver, I'm sorry, but God's going to reward you and I can't do anything to stop it. I can't stop it. He's going to reward you. This, this, uh, this Greek word this, for rewarder here, it's only in the Bible one time. This is the only place it's in the Bible. It's a five-syllable Greek word. Five syllables. Four of the syllables have to do, it comes from two root words, but four of the syllables have to do with to pay what's due. In other words, uh, it's like um, you deserve to be rewarded because you did the right thing. And that's not bad. That's not bad. In other words, you, God said tithe, you started tithing, so he's going to reward you for doing the right thing. But one of the syllables means with extravagance. Just one of the five syllables. He's going to, it means to reward with extravagance. That's God. Um, way back in the 90s, uh, Debbie and I were in Costa Rica. Matter of fact, you know what? It wasn't in the 90s, it was in the 80s because you were pregnant with James. So you went to Costa Rica um, Anyway, so, um, so you've been in the mission field in Costa Rica, but you don't remember it probably. So, um, but she was pregnant with James, so it was in 1985. And so we were, I was speaking in churches, and I went to speak at a Bible college, and he had 200 students. And he said, the, the guy that ran the Bible college, he said, can I tell you a story? And I said, yeah. And it was Friday when I went to speak, and it was what they called Bless Another Day. And what they would do every Friday is you would bring something and you would pray about uh, whom to bless and then you would bless someone with a pencil or maybe a pair of shoes or maybe just new shoestrings, whatever you could afford. These students didn't have very much. And they started it years before just to teach them the principle of giving. And so one of the students came to him and said, um, and this had been about 10 years before, and said, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to give. And so the head of the Bible college said, well, pray. Ask the Lord what he wants you to give. Well, he worked at a peanut farm in Costa Rica, a peanut farm. So he thought, I could give a peanut. But he went to the owner and he said, I want to buy one peanut a week. I want you to take it out of my wages. And the owner said, what for? What for? He said, well, it's blessed another day at the Bible college where I'm going, and I want to be able to give a peanut. And the owner said, I'll just give him one. And he said, no, then I wouldn't be giving it. So I want you to figure out what four peanuts a month are and take that out of my salary. And the owner was a Christian and thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to do this. So this guy every week would bring a peanut at the end of the semester, every Friday for the next semester, it's a two-year Bible college, at the end of the, of the second semester, he started bringing a bag of peanuts. 
Then the owner bought this new field, had a lot of rocks in it, and he wanted to do a peanut farm over there. And he thought, this is my best and most diligent worker. And so he said, if you will clean out that field and you'll take management of that, I'll actually give you 25% of the profits. So the third semester, he paid scholarship 10 students. The fourth semester, he scholarshiped 50 students. Then when the owner got ready to sell the peanut farm, he sold it to this guy who was now a multi-millionaire in Costa Rica. And the owner, the uh, head of the Bible college said, we have 200 students here. You know how many are on scholarship? I said, no. He said, all of them. All of them. And he said, I just had lunch with the owner of this peanut farm last week. He thought he was coming to Bible college to go into ministry, but he actually was doing it to go into business, which is ministry as well. And he said, he said to me, can't you get some more students? And he said, well, how many more students could you scholarship? And he said, probably two or 3,000. You just get as many students as you can. But it started with one peanut. If you're faithful with a little, then you'll be faithful with a lot. Please hear my heart. I'm not preaching this series for any other reason. But I want you to live a happy life a joy life. I want you to be rewarded. He wants you to be rewarded. It's the only reason he would put giving in the Bible, because it's not for his sake. It'll change your heart. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to remember when you ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I want you to remember the title of the message today, and that is, Am I generous. And I have to tell you, there are some times when I am generous and there are some times when I'm still selfish and I still see selfishness in me. So God's still working on me to this day. But the more generous I become, the more like Jesus I become. You are the most like God. Listen to this statement. You are the most like God when you give. For God so loved the world that he gave. If he hadn't given his son, even though he loved us, we'd still be on our way to hell. There had to be an action behind his attitude. So just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And then we want to pray with you. No matter which campus you're attending or, or which gathering, we want to pray with you. So if you need prayer at the end of this service, we'll be here. We want to pray with you. And it might not even be about the message today. But don't ever come to church and have a prayer need and leave without asking someone to pray with you. Lord, I want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you for my brothers and sisters. 
And God, thank you, Lord, that you are helping us to be like you are. You're working selfishness out of our lives and you're working generosity in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to each of us. Second Corinthians says, let each give according to how he purposes in his heart to give. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each of us about giving generously to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.